0: So, those of y'all that haven't heard that Father's on a pilgrimage in Germany. So, uh, we're going to have class tonight. Uh, And those of y'all that don't know me, my name is Kirk. And I'm going through the diaconate program and hoping to be a deacon in like three more years. It's a five-year process, so I can use all your prayers. (laughs) So, uh, because of that, then Father nominated me to to teach this lesson. So we'll see. So hopefully y'all enjoy it and get stuff out of it. Uh, let's, start in a, let's start with a prayer. Okay. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, thank you for all the many blessings you've bestowed upon us all. Help us to come to know you and to love you more and more. Help to, to show us everything that you do in our lives and help us to appreciate you. And please, Lord, please show us the truth. Thank you for everything, and please be our guide. Amen. Amen. All right, so I want to start out today that uh, those of y'all that made it to the picnic this weekend, we had our church picnic this weekend because it was St. Matthew's Feast Day, That that actually St. Matthew's Feast Day is today, so that we can celebrate St. Matthew. And so it's kind of a neat deal. So we're going to start out uh, reading a little bit from St. Matthew's today. Okay, and so what we're actually going to be talking about today is the Eucharist, and it's kind, of a, it's kind of a deal that they're having a Eucharistic revival, so like the next three years, we're going to be hearing a lot about the Eucharist and what it truly is, because we truly believe that, you know, that that is Jesus right there in the tabernacle in the form of bread, right? So in bread and wine so let's look at where we get that from and one of the things that uh you know kind of aggravates people and it is kind of inter- interesting because we're here in the middle of protestant country or er, and everybody comes and they wonder why they can't take communion right and so some of them get aggravated and they're like well that church they won't even let me go up and take communion with them and should we let them take communion but let's look at why we do what we do, you know. And so, like I said, I was gonna, I'm going to start with, uh, with St. Matthew. And so this is the Lord's Supper. This is uh, Matthew chapter 26, verse 26. And it says, While they were eating, Jesus took the bread and said the blessing. He broke it, giving it to the disciples. It says, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup He gave thanks and gave it to them saying, Drink it, all of you, for this is the blood of the covenant which will be shed on behalf of many for the forgiveness of sins. Okay, so... So whenever he says, so take this, does he say, take this, this is a symbol of my body? He said, this is actually, this is my body, right? And so... We take that, and then... And it said, Then he took the cup, and he gave thanks. And he gave it to him, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is the blood, the blood of the, the covenant, which will be shed on behalf of many for the forgiveness of sins. So, like, what covenant is he talking about? If we break this all up, Because we had the Old Covenant, right? So the Old Covenant, they had the Feast of Passover. And so he's saying right now, okay, so we're no longer having Passover. Now we're having the Eucharist. And we're going to look at some of that tonight and kind of compare. We're going to look at the Passover, and then we're going to look at the Eucharist. And this is the... So I know I'm breaking this down a lot. Uh, So it says... So if we're going back to this, this is chapter... Matthew chapter 26, and it says, For this is the blood of the covenant which we shed on behalf of many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I shall not drink from the fruit of the vine until that I drink it with you in the new new kingdom of my Father. So, he's got the new kingdom going on. Okay, I'm going to go over and we're going to read. I'm going to read Mark real quick. With the Last Supper of Mark, and it says, while he was eating, he took the bread and he said the blessing and broke it and gave it to them and said, take it, this is my body. And then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them and they all. He he took sorry. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks and gave it to them and they all drank from it. He said to them, this is my blood of the covenant which will be shed for you and for many. Amen, I say to you, I shall not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day I drink it in the new kingdom of God. So we can see that Mark and Matthew, it sounds exactly the same, right? And both of those, is there any sign that it's just a symbol? You know, because that's the thing in our brothers and our Protestant brothers and sisters, you know, they're like, oh, it's, it's just a symbol, you know? And so that's the reason why if you go to the Baptist church and they have communion, they're like, okay, everybody just come on up, you know, and everybody get, takes communion, right? But the thing is, is what you're receiving there, that they'll tell you that's not Jesus. That's just a symbol, you know. And so here we truly, truly believe that it is uh, the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And where where we get that from is uh, we're going to look back at John chapter six because this is where we really get uh, that we really get into the detail. Could we talk about this the bread of life uh, discourse? In the Bread of Life discourse that John, it's kind of interesting that Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all have the Last Supper discourse where they talk about Jesus blessing the cup and blessing the bread and saying, this is my body and this is my blood. John skips that in his, but they say that he actually, that his gospel was written last. And so he actually kind of put in parts that they didn't have. Because, you know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all look alike. And John looks different. And John's Bible was written, or gospel was written last. And so, in John chapter 6, it starts over, it starts out uh, the, multiplication, the multiplication of loaves, you know, where Jesus is there, and there's like 5,000 in the crowd, and all of his apostles are there and Jesus looked at him, and he goes, all these people are hungry. He goes, y'all feed them, and they're like, uh, we don't have nothing to feed them with, right? And so that's whenever they take the loaves, and they multiply them, and then they have enough to feed 5,000 people out of five loaves of bread and a few fish, right? And so that's how this starts off, and It goes on then that it says that this was at the time of Passover. So Jesus actually starts this. So we got to think about it. That the last supper was the Passover. That Jesus celebrated the Passover meal with the apostles right before he was crucified. Right? And he said, and this is my blood. And this is, you know, this this is my body. is the bread. Or the bread is my body. And... The wine is my blood. So let's look back at, and it talks about the covenant, and all this will make sense in a minute. But if we go back to Exodus and we actually look at the, uh, we look at the uh, Passover. Okay, y'all remember the Passover, right? That it's in Exodus. I'm not going to read it word for word, but it's. It's Exodus chapter 11 or, or Exodus chapter 12. But if you remember in the Exodus that this is whenever the Jews, that they were all there and they were all slaves in Egypt, right? And that's when they have the 10 plagues where they come in and they have the, boil, the plague of the boils and the frogs and the gnats and hail that destroys everything. And then the last one that they have is they have the death of the firstborn where Moses goes in and he talks to the Pharaoh and he said if you don't let my people go worship God then we're going to come in and we're going to or that God is going to come in and he's going to kill every one of your firstborn every one of your firstborn children and everything are going to be slaughtered and Pharaoh, it says, God hardened his heart. And he's like, nope, y'all aren't leaving. Y'all are staying here. And so, during that, that that's when that he actually gives them the Passover deal. And it says, uh, it says, on the 10th of this month, every one of your families must procure for itself a lamb, one piece for each household. If a family is too small for a whole lamb, it shall join the nearest household, procuring one and share a lamb to proportion the number of persons to partake of it. The lamb must be a one-year-old, man without, one-year-old male without blemish. You can take it either from the sheep or the goats. You shall keep it until the 14th day of the month, and with the whole assembly of Israel it should be slaughtered during the evening twilight. Then you take some of... The blood and apply it to the tor- the two doorposts of every house which they partake of the lamb the same night they shall eat the roasted flesh and unleavened bread with the bitter herbs, and it shall not be eaten raw or boiled but roasted with the heads and the innards, and none must be kept beyond the next morning. whatever is left over in the morning shall be burnt up. And it says, and this is how you are to eat it. Okay, so we talked about, uh, you know, that Jesus said that this is the blood, that my blood is the blood of of the covenant, right? So the Passover was the covenant before. And you talk about that they had to actually take out a lamb. They had to take care of it. And then they had to slaughter it, and then what did they have to do? They had to eat it, right? So they had to actually eat the lamb, just like Jesus says, you must eat my flesh. So uh, so they had to eat it, and then they had to take the blood, and they put it on the doorpost. It actually says on the next post, that it, the next page, it talks about the slaves and everything like that. It says... If the slaves are circumcised, then you can let them partake in the Passover. And it talks about that none of, the, none of the meat can leave the house. All the meat has to stay in the house. So if you butchered the lamb, if you cooked the lamb, it had to stay there and you had to eat it all in the house. And so it's the same thing. It's we look because what do they call Jesus in the book of Revelation? the Lamb of God right and what does John call him in like the first chapter of John whenever he sees he's there John the baptizes John is baptizing people in the river and people walk by and he goes behold the Lamb of God and he points at Jesus right and so in the Old Testament the lamb had to be eaten and just some interesting parts that I think is interesting Y'all know uh, where was Jesus born at? What town? Bethlehem, right? Do y'all know what Bethlehem translates to? The house of bread. So it's kind of cool. So uh, Jesus is born in the place called the house of bread. And where's he laid when he's born? He's laid in the feed trough, right? So he's laid in the manger. So, I mean, kind of all this stuff you kind of think of, it's all like precursors of what is going on there. Okay. So, this is another pretty cool thing about the Old Covenant in the Old Testament. I know I'm kind of jumping around here a little bit, but in Exodus chapter 25, if you want to look this up, it talks about Moses. We're kind of skipping. And this is after... The Jews are freed, and then they go, and they're having the traveling. They set up a big, huge tent, right, that they sacrifice. And they have that they're going to—this is God giving Moses the directions to what all I want you to have in there and what it's all going to be. And he says that he wants him to build the Ark of the Covenant, you know, like the raiders of the lost Ark, Ark, Ark that they find, you know. But it talks about how it's made with gold, and it has the two angels over the top of it. You know, kind of like our two angels over the ark, of, over the tabernacle there that has Jesus inside. But the ark, that it was there, and it had the law, and it stood for the uh, God the Father. The next thing that he tells them to build, if you look at this, is a lampstand, the menorah. And it says that it has to be lit the whole time. So whenever we talk about flames and everything like that, what happens in Pentecost, right? What do flames represent? The Holy Spirit, right? So this is an Exodus that we have we have the we have the Ark of the Covenant representing the Father. We have the Holy Spirit in the candles, and then it says that you are to build a golden table and keep the bread of the presence on it. Every week you're supposed to go in and you're supposed to put the bread of the presence on the table in the tabernacle. So you've got, we've got the Ark of the Covenant, which is God. We got the menorah, which is the lampstands for the Holy Spirit. And then we actually have the bread of the... The bread of the presence that they actually set out on the tables in front of this. So since the very beginning, if you looked at it, that it actually you could see Jesus in the bread here. And another (coughs) interesting thing that they found that the bread of the presence, if you translate it from Hebrew to English, it could be translated as bread of presence or bread of the face. So if you think about it, that it could actually be like bread of the, you know, the face of God. It's just kind of interesting how you can look at all that stuff. And so this was all like precursors of what's going on. Okay, so back to what I was talking about. uh, That we have the Passover meal where they're not allowed, that they have to eat the lamb, right? And Jesus is considered the lamb of God. He's called the lamb of God all the way through. And that's, they, re, they redo that because whenever, and it says that they can't have any broken bones. And when Jesus is on the cross, they break the two guys on either side of him. They break hit their legs, right? But they don't break Jesus' legs because he's the, to just reinforce that he is the Lamb of God. Okay, so now let's go to Jesus' own words. Okay, so uh, so anyway, so Jesus is there and I'm going back to John chapter 6. In the first of it, I talked about that it's the multiplication of the lobes where he goes and he feeds all these people. Okay, and then the people leave and they come back the next day. And they're like normal people. All these people, they show up and everything. And Jesus just flat out asks them. He goes, are you here because you believe in me or because you want your belly filled? You know, because I fed you yesterday. Is that why you came back? You know, and so he tells them, he said, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him the Father has set his seal. So they said to him, What can we do to accomplish the works? And Jesus answered them and said, This is the work of God that you believe in the one he sent. So he said, You got to believe in me. And they said, what sign can you do that we may see and believe in you? What can you do? I mean, think about that. What did he just do for him the day before? You know, he multiplied all the bread so that everybody could eat. And then he's like, believe in me that the God sent me. And they're like, uh, show us what we can believe in, you know. So he said, and then they say, our ancestors ate the manna in the desert. As it was written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said, Amen, amen. I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. My Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So they said to him, Give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. So if we look at that, he's telling them right there, I am the bread that came down from heaven. But I told you that although you've seen me, you do not believe. Everything that the Father gives will come, will come to me, and I will not reject anyone that comes to me because I came down from heaven. Not to do my own will, but the will of the one who sent me. And this is the will of the one who sent me, that I should not lose anything that he gave me, and I should raise it on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. So, so we got to believe in Jesus. And... but get this that the part that the Jews say this is the next section is the Jews murmured about him and because he said I am the bread that came down from heaven why would that confuse them it's because they looked at it different and they knew that that the Messiah was going to come with a new Passover a new deal so they knew that it was going to be some you know, something to do with the bread. And so that's just why it kind of throws them out. If you read that, they gave us a book back there, the Jewish roots of the Passover, if you're, or the Eucharist. If you read that, it goes into a lot more detail on this stuff. It's pretty interesting. Okay. And he says right here, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they say, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph? Don't we know his mom? Yeah, how can he say he came down from heaven? So anyway, so that's the first time that he said that. And then so he goes on. We skip a few deals. And he says, Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever believes in me has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the desert, and they died. This bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat it and not die, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever forever. And the bread that I will give you is my flesh for the life of the world. So right here he says that this bread is my flesh. So you got to remember this is like the year before that this is the Passover before the Passover where Jesus crucified, got crucified and did the Last Supper. So he's already telling them before, you know, this is going to be, you know, my bread, my flesh is the true bread. Okay, the Jews quarreled among themselves, saying, "How can this man give us his flesh to eat?" Jesus said to them, "Amen, I say to you, unless you eat the son of the man, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you." So he doubles down. He says, "Unless you eat the flesh of the son of man, who he's calling himself, you don't have life within you." And whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. So he just keeps on just saying this, you know, that you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Just as, just as the living Father sent me I have life because of the Father. Also, the one who feeds on me will have life because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Unlike your ancestors who ate and still died, whoever eats this bread will live forever. In these things, he said while he was teaching at Capernaum. Okay, so he's saying all this stuff. <clears throat> Okay, so what do you think everybody's thinking? I mean, what would you think if somebody said, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood? It would kind of freak you out, right? So, so then many of the disciples who were listening said, this is a hard saying. Who can accept it? Since Jesus knew his disciples were murmuring about this, he said to them, does this shock you? What if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before. So, remember that the ones that stuck with him actually seen that, right? After after he died and was crucified, he came back down and he taught the apostles and disciples, and then they went and then they got to actually see him ascend back up to heaven. Okay. It is the Spirit that gives life while the flesh is of no avail. The words I have spoken are spirit and life, but there are some of you who do not believe. Jesus knew from the beginning the ones who would not believe and the ones who betrayed him would betray him. For this reason, he, I have told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by my Father. Okay, so since he's saying all this, and we're already saying that this is kind of scary. Uh, but this is kind of an interesting verse right here. Because this is John 6, John chapter 6, verse 66. So, John 666, right? So, as a result of this, many of his disciples turn, returned to their former way of life and no longer accompanied him. So, remember John 666 that uh, after he told them, You must eat my flesh and drink my blood, a lot of them was like, Peace out. I'm leaving. I can't follow you no more. And so Jesus said, Jesus turned to the twelve and said, Do you want to leave also? And Simon Peter answered and said, Master, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So think about this. You know, like whenever... Like there's like parts where in the Bible where Jesus is talking like the sower of the seeds, you know. Whenever he sows the seeds on the different paths and the different types of soil, right. And he tells that to the Jews and they don't get it. And he pulls his apostles over and he goes, hey guys, this is what it was, you know. And he explains it to them. Okay, right here he says, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And then... He just goes, that's it. He doesn't try to say, oh, I was just speaking figuratively. You know, that really wasn't what it was. This is what it was. He's just like, that's what it is. Are you going to stay or are you going to leave? You know, he just buckles down. And so we can truly see that what he was saying is what he meant. Because if all of your followers are leaving, and these are all people that God loves, and they're all turning around and leaving because what he's saying is too hard, you know, but he's right there, and he's just buckling down, and he's like, "Nope, this is this is what it is." And he he just goes on to, uh, to just say, you know that, that that's the way it is. That uh, so we go on. If we go on, let's. I'm going to flip over to Corinthians. Uh, chapter 1, verse 11. So this is another one that's easy to remember that we had John 666. Now we're going to look at Corinthians 1.11. So 1 Corinthians 1, one. And but this is the Lord's the Lord's Supper. So this is uh, so this is what Paul's got to say. The Lord's Supper, let me find out right where it is. Okay, here we go. Okay, so this is Paul. And remember, Paul, was Paul at the Last Supper? No, nope, he got, Jesus found him later, right, when he was going out to kill all the Christians. So we know that Jesus appeared to him and told him stuff. And then also he was trained by the apostles and everything else. And he wrote all these letters. <clears throat> Here's what Paul has to say. He said, For I received from the Lord what I, was also, what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night was handed over, took bread, and after giving thanks, broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this and remember it to me. In the same way he took the cup after the supper and said, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup you proclaim the death of the lord until he comes again okay that sounds familiar that's what we say every sunday at mass right but here's the part like why don't we let everybody just come up to communion, like somebody that comes off the street and comes up and eat. It says, and this is Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 27, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will have to answer for the body and blood of the Lord. So do you want to have to answer for the body and blood of the Lord? You know, and so... And if it's just a symbol, why would you have to answer for anything, right? If it's, if it's nothing, if it's just pure bread and pure wine and there's nothing, it's not the true body and blood of Jesus, then why would you have to answer for eating a symbol of something, you know, for just eating a piece of bread or drinking wine? Okay, so a person should examine himself so to eat the bread and drink of the cup for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment upon himself that is why many uh, that is why many among you are ill and infirm and a considerable considerable number are dying so so paul says you know that if you eat the if you eat the bread and drink the wine in an unworthy fa- fashion then you're not <laughs> you're condemning yourself pretty much. You know, you're bringing down judgment on yourself. So this is why we can say that this truly is, whenever we see the host, and we s- that that truly is the body of Jesus. And the wine truly is his blood. And it just breaks my heart that they say so many, Christ- or so many Catholics don't believe that anymore. And... This is just a few things that from, you know, like some people say, oh, the Catholics made that up, you know, and in the middle of ages or something. So this is kind of cool. So we got this from John chapter 6. I read that big, long discourse thing. But we've actually got uh, writings from the early, early church. And this is one of the most uh, neatest, neat things that I think of when I started looking into the church is we have this guy named Ignatius of Antioch. And he was a bishop uh, in Antioch there. But he was actually trained by the Apostle John. And he knew Peter and Paul. And he was... So he was trained by the guy who wrote the Word of Life Discourse. Right? And... We have his letters. We have, actually have seven letters that he wrote because the Romans didn't like the Christians because they weren't worshiping the right gods. And so if it wasn't raining, it was because the Christians weren't playing to the rain god, and so it's not raining, so we've got to get rid of those Christians because they're not worshiping all the gods. They didn't care if you worship. You could have worshiped God the Father as long as you worshiped their gods too, but the Christians are like, No, there's only one God. I'm just worshiping him. And so they're like, okay, you're the reason it's not raining. So anyway, they go and they get the bishop. But they get Ignatius. That's the bishop of Antioch at the time. Who was trained by John. And they grab him and they drag him all the way from there to Rome. Because they're parading him around and they're going to make an example of him. Right? That we're taking this guy all the way back to Rome and we're going to feed him to lions. This is what's going to happen to you if you don't worship our gods and drop this Christian business. And so, in one of his letters that he wrote, he wrote seven letters, and we, can, we have them today. You can read their letters. It's, it's awesome. And he says, uh, The, the dossiers hold the law from the Eucharist and from the services of prayer because they refuse to admit that the Eucharist is the flesh of our Savior Jesus Christ, which suffered for our sins and for the goodness of the Father uh, the Father raised. So he's saying right here that these people are wrong because they refuse to admit that the Eucharist is the true flesh of Jesus our Savior. And so this was from a guy, this was written in around 98 AD and he actually was trained by the apostle john the guy that wrote this so he obviously believed in that and then he also has another one one of his other letters he has it's from this guy to the romans and he's like don't save me before i go there that and the only thing i want to eat before i die is the eucharist so before i get fed to the lions and he actually got taken to rome and fed to the lions so that didn't end up good for him Okay, there was this other guy who come along about 160 AD. So if you look at that, that's that's pretty good. So this is still real close to the time of Jesus. And this is Justin Martyr. And his last name was probably not Martyr. That's how he got his name. That this guy, if you want to have courage, you want to have courage like this guy. That he was actually a pagan guy who learned about the Christians and joined the Christian church. And then he wrote letters, he wrote two letters called the Apologies to the Roman Emperor Marcus Aurelius. So that's why we have copies of these letters, because he wrote them to the Caesar at the time. And he's like, pretty much, they're long and you can read them all, but it's so fascinating. Because he's like, quit persecuting the Christians because this is what we believe. And one of the headings that's all broke down to it is that we are not cannibals. Why would they think we're a cannibals? Because we say we eat the body and blood of Christ, right? So because we said that, that the Romans would say, see, they're cannibals. They go and eat the flesh of their God. You know, they, they say they eat the flesh of this guy. So, so and this is a, just a little clip of one of the letters that he actually wrote to the Roman emperor at the time. This food we call the Eucharist, of which no one is allowed to partake, except for the one that believes the things that we teach are true. Okay, so think about that. When we say that our Protestant brothers and sisters that come to like a funeral or something, that it feels kind of weird. It does feel kind of weird for me to say, okay, you know, you can go up for a blessing, but, you know, you're not supposed to take communion. But this is what? That this this is from the year 160 A.D., You know, so 160. So this was already the custom. So no one is allowed to partake of except for one that believes the things that we teach are true and has received the washing for the forgiveness of sins. What would that be? Baptism, right? And for the rebirth. And and lives as Christ has handed down to us. For we do not receive these things as common bread and common drink, But as Jesus Christ, our Savior, being incarnate by God's word, took flesh and blood for our salvation. And we have been taught that the food consecrated by the word of the prayer, like the priest does, which comes from him, which is our our flesh and blood, are nourished and transformed, is the flesh and blood of the incarnate Jesus. So from the year... So we got... It, him wrote, he wrote to the emperor in the year 160 that this is the true body and blood of Christ that we take on Sunday. And he actually has like a good description of what the church service is, and it hadn't changed, <laughs> but it's still, it's still pretty much the same from the year 160 to now, how he describes how the church service is. So it's really neat when you get looking into history, how things turn around and become like we still have them here today. So uh, Okay, and then just one more thing, how we were talking about it being the covenant and how it's the new covenant that when we talk just back to the Passover for a minute, that they took and they put the blood on the doorpost, right? And they actually used a hyssop branch. It says that they took the hyssop and the hyssop uh, bush and they put the blood on the doorpost. And then, the starting of the Last Supper is the starting of the Passover meal. And if you notice, in the Passover meal, it never says anything about a lamb. It just talks about the bread and the wine and all this stuff. And then, the historians all say that by reading the Gospel accounts, that Jesus never finishes the Passover. But he says, I will not drink of the fruit of vine again until the new covenant, until I'm in it with the new covenant. And then at the very end, when Jesus is getting crucified, that he, he says, uh, so he's up there, he's getting crucified, just like they killed the lamb. They're killing Jesus. And at the very last thing that he said, he says, it is, he's like, I thirst so they take, a, they take a sponge and they dip it into the common wine when he says, I'm not going to drink the wine again until the new kingdom comes. They take the sponge on a hyssop branch, the same type of thing that they put the blood on the doorpost with. They dip the sponge on the hyssop branch, hold it up to his mouth. Jesus sips a sip of wine because he couldn't have been thirsty before that time, right? And, uh, and after he <coughs> sips the sip of wine, Then he goes, it is finished, and he dies. And so the Passover is finished through there. So that's how it's actually the the new covenant is finished, that the Passover switched from you have to sacrifice a lamb to the sacrifice we have on the altar every Sunday. So I don't know. There's a lot more to it. You can go on forever, but we'll call that good for tonight. So let's end in a prayer. In the name of the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Lord God, thank you for letting us have this time tonight. Uh, Please help us to have learned something and to to grow closer to you. Help us to uh, become closer to you in our hearts. Open up our hearts and our minds to see you in everything. And help us to love you more and more. Let's say the our Father together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil amen in the name of father son holy spirit amen all right that's it and then just another little deal when we're going to talk about this. Father's still going to be gone next week, so if you want to come back, it, it's me again next week, but Father will be back after that. Uh, but we're going to go through the Our Father, because like we just said, give us this day our daily bread. And if you look at it in Hebrew, it's actually give us today our super bread. And it's like, so we'll, we'll talk more about that, that it's not just like daily bread. Because why would you say, give us this day our daily bread. Why would you say day twice, you know? So we'll look at that kind of stuff next week if y'all want to come back. All right, y'all have a good evening.